welcome to a special episode of our Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand series brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity. For more information on the Rainmaker Multiplier process and a list of all podcasts in this series, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Interested in learning more about the topics discussed today? We want to know more about your challenges and priorities and how we can help build your custom roadmap to success. That's right, a custom roadmap built just for you. Schedule a free 20-minute consultation with one of our business development partners. Visit c2pe.info forward slash podcast to schedule a time that's good for you. That's c2pe.info forward slash podcast. Very interesting topic today, the new SEC marketing rule uh, going into effect uh, officially November 4th. And I know uh, some RAs like ours will be ready. Ryan's got us ready on November 1st, so we'll be ready for that. But a lot of discussion today, uh, hopefully a lot of tips and, and tricks and feedback to share with the group that everybody can take back with them. We want to make sure everyone leaves here with uh, some ideas that they can take back, but also get your questions answered that you have uh, bringing into the into the call today for today's coffee break. Uh, I'm excited about our panel today. So our guests, uh, as I mentioned, Ryan Warner, our Chief Compliance Officer uh, here at C2P Enterprises. We have Colleen Mansmith returning from Hammer Financial. Thanks again, Colleen, for, for joining us, uh, I think, with the third or fourth time on coffee break. And uh, Amanda Dingleman returning from the Chamberlain Group. And I think she also brought with us a first. We have our first fan club in part of Gombe Break today. So thank you to Amanda's fan club for joining us uh, for today's Coffee Break. Um, we're going to just jump right in because I know there's a lot to cover and there's probably a lot of questions around the rules. Some of those will probably address up front with uh, what we have for our panelists. Um, and Ryan, since I know you and your team put a lot of the legwork into getting us ready at PCA for this, I'm going to kind of start off with you. Could you give the audience kind of at a high level, what are the, what, what is the new SEC marketing rule? What opportunities does this open up to advisors to market their practice? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, you know, the base of our marketing rule dates back to the 1930s. And for people that have been around this industry, you guys have kind of noticed there's some frustrations about how some of the rules just don't equate to current times. Um, so the SEC finally heard us, you know, 90 years later, and uh, they are attempting to modernize that rule a bit. Um, there's a ton of little components to this rule, um, things like performance reporting standards and solicitor relationships. Um, but from an advisor standpoint, the big changes will be centered around things like how we can use social media and how we can use testimonials and third-party ratings. Um, so I think that's where our big opportunity from marketing standpoint would be. Okay. And so then for, for our other guests, Colleen and Amanda, like all of these new opportunities that are available to us, um, are there certain ones that you're planning on using? Is it, is it, all of them kind of diving in head first to everything, or are there certain aspects that you're looking to get into and take advantage of first? Um, we're really excited here at the Chamberlain Group. We've uh, been working towards this goal for a while, and we're approaching it from three different aspects. We've got first and foremost, client testimonials. Those, those help us build trust. We can integrate those into every layer of the marketing funnel, which is extremely important as you're trying to convert prospects to clients. Um, the second approach is creating um, client 
case studies, success stories. Um, and we're, uh, we've been working on a series of videos that promote the success of, from the planner's perspective, working with the client, the solutions they provided. And then the third way we're approaching it is through recruitment. So we're uh, using a team culture aspect. So our own testimonials to promote um, our recruiting efforts, which is really exciting. We are um, using similar uh, techniques for this, but Hammer Financial is really excited to be able to use customer testimonials finally. Um, so that is Greg's first big initiative is to work on those. And we're going to, of course, integrate those. We've already created a tab on our website for that. Um, just waiting to publish it, Ryan, until November 4th. Don't worry. <laughs> and then um, we're also looking at the aspect of using video testimonials and using the testimonials in um, uh, animated graphics. So um, kind of uh, different pop-up quotes in a graphic that we could use on social media. And then also looking to um, take a fun graphic and put it on a plaque in the office so that we can have it. So that when people are waiting to meet with their advisors, maybe for the first time that they have that, like Amanda said, it's trust building. So that's huge. Um, there's also some studies that say 86% of people um, will take a review to heart. So um, they are looking for that customer testimonial and the reviews. And um, I think all of that too will help us amp up our SEO. So trying mm -hmm. to get those more hits on Google. Nice. I love that you brought the numbers to the conversation too. That's a, that's a, that's a good stat to, to use there. And I like that both of you referenced, um, and obviously we're using these at the JL Smith as well. Uh, trying to figure out how to incorporate these into everything, pulling these testimonials. And like you both mentioned, in different formats, which we'll get into in a couple of questions we have later. But I like that both of you referenced it's for lead generation, but these are also going to become like a big part of branding moving forward. And it's it, like th these are going to help really illustrate our brands as advisor advisory offices. Um from the, the mouths and the voices of our clients and not just us trying to tell everyone, you know, how, how great it is and communicate our differentiators. Ryan, I'm going to come back to you because um, it's, it's the part we got to make sure we're careful on. It's the disclosure side. So there's all kinds of stuff that is now available to us uh, for the offices, for the marketing and the sales function to put out there. Um, but we have to have the proper disclosures here. And I know you've uh, done a great job communicating those to me. I know to Amanda, to Colleen, to some, you know, many of our other offices that keeping us in the loop and, and ready here. But can you provide for the audience kind of an overview of uh, what these are? I know there's so much that goes in because the disclosures vary yep. for everything you're using it for and every kind of medium. But just maybe a, a general how long, when do you need them, where do you need them, that kind of thing. Yeah, so like everything else, we got to have disclosures, disclosures, disclosures. Um, so along with being able to use these, we are going to have to include some uh, disclosures. They'll probably roughly be about two sentences long based on um, if it's clients or not clients or if we're compensated or not compensated. Um, there is some verbiage that the SEC is going to require in there. Um, so it'll look something like 
Um, the above testimonial are the views of this individual client and do not represent the view of all clients. Uh, no compensation was provided or X compensation was provided for this review. Um, this testimonial does not provide guarantee of future performance or success. And uh, that'll be about it. You know, so it's not overly long. It's the kind of language you've seen before. Um, if there happened to be a conflict of interest, it would also be in there. For instance, this is my mother, you know, so, you know, take that into account if you're reading the review. Um, but it should be pretty short. The one thing that's going to be a little annoying is they were very clear that it has to be equal prominence. You know, so I know we like to try to hide our disclosures in smaller fonts and in different parts of the, uh, of the documents, but it will have to be with the review and equal dominance. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about there. <laughs> I mean, never do that. Never seen that before. <laughs> One bounce, yeah. But in, and I know like, this is something I want to make sure I was clear on with you. So I'm going to kind of ask it again, just to kind of drive this home for everyone equal weighting. And that's anywhere you use it, right? Like if it's in a social media ad, it's on your website, it's in a video, it's got to have that equal weighting across any of those. Yep. And like, even in the video, if, you, if it'll be, you know, on the bottom of the screen, you can't like hide it in the back of the video, for instance, you know, we'll have to incorporate it on the screen where the review is. Right. And, and I, I want to make sure I'm clear on this as well. There are different disclosures for each type as well. So whether it's uh, the, the testimonials, whether it's paid or not paid for endorsements. So yeah, you gotta make sure make sure that you're working closely with your respective compliance teams to make sure that you handle those. Correct. Yep. Yep. We are a part of this. You are allowed to provide compensation for yeah. for testimonials. I don't think anybody would need to do that. But some people have asked me, like, hey, if I you know offer a gift card for a testimonial. Sure, that's fine. It would just be a part of the disclosures that, hey, I, you know, received a gift card for, you know, providing this review. Right. Cause that would, that would impact your disclosure as well. Cause even if they provided an unpaid testimonial, but you gave a gift card as a thank you, that now changes the disclosure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Just want to make sure every, everyone heard that one. Cause that, you know, that, that's key there. Cause I think it's the natural instinct to thank someone for that but that will impact or could impact your disclosure on that size. So in gathering those testimonials, uh, Amanda, I'll, I'll start with you again. Uh, what methods did you use to start gathering those? Cause you said you have a lot ready there. Like what methods did your team or teams take to, to gather those? Well, we've um, started working on taking our own, utilizing our team members to share their customer success stories. So we haven't actually reached out explicitly to ask for a testimonial from a client, um, but we're using our own um, experiences to share outcomes and success stories. Got it. Now that's very interesting. How about you, Colleen? So we have started um, talking about our strategy and I think a lot of it will be um, our advisors having conversations. And um, I think it's a good way to use this as a touch point to let the customer, the clients know that we appreciate them and we value them and have a conversation um, around that. And then um, they will, um, after the conversation, then I will send out an email with the details for them. So that, that way the advisors aren't bogged down with um, having to get the email to me. Okay. And uh, 
Real quick, just because it's on a related topic, I, we got a question from Julian here. Are we able to ask for recommendations or does it have to be initiated by the client? Ryan said, Julie, yes, we are able to ask clients for testimonials. Um, we have another question here from Haley. If the disclosure is in the video, then does it need to be in audio too, or is a text disclosure sufficient? Great question there. Uh, Ryan, Haley, text disclosure on the same screen will suffice. So it does not have to be in the text and on the audio on those videos. So uh, two great questions there. Um, I can share as well, just like Amanda and Colleen answered for others soliciting those. Uh, one place that we started for JL Smith uh, was actually going back to any uh, Google or Facebook reviews that might have been on there that we had received over time um, and run those by Ryan to see, are these okay to use? Um, and the point that Ryan made earlier, just to reiterate to the crowd, we just, we had to make sure that he could get those four questions answered for our documentation in order to use those. So still had to make sure that even if you are pulling from there, has to be able to answer those four um, in order to be able to use those. The other thing that we are looking to use uh, on that side is uh, at the end of any engagement. So someone going through our process or at the end of an annual review meeting, if they're going well, asking if they'd be able to provide feedback. So that's kind of part of how we're building it in in an ongoing process. Um, but but thank you, Amanda, Colleen, for sharing what you've done or what you're doing. Amanda, I like that idea. Like I think sometimes that's even overlooked is you don't even need to necessarily go external first. You can start with your internal stories and sharing those from a success story standpoint. Built on the foundation of the award-winning bucket plan process, Clarity to Prosperity's proven processes, training, and coaching can help you increase your revenue. If you are a growth-minded, independent financial advisor, you qualify for a free copy of the bucket plan book. Go to claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer to get your free book today. That's claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer. Um, Ryan, how about you? Did you have anything to add on that too of any recommendations you would have for, for how to reach out? Yeah, I mean, you should be able to go to your favorite clients first. I mean, everyone has the clients you know are going to give testimonials. Start with those. Um, there shouldn't be a need for dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of testimonials. I mean, I don't know what you would do with all that. Um, but, you know, find three to five that you want to start using on websites and social medias and pieces. Um, advisors should also be paying attention, kind of like what you mentioned during meetings, during annual reviews. The clients are saying nice things during these things like, this is great. I can't believe I haven't done this before. You know, those are kind of your keywords and say, hey, you know, would you mind providing a, you know, a testimonial for, you know, for us so we can post that. Um, one thing I would advise against, um, is mass soliciting. So we are currently a PCA not going to allow for mass soliciting, uh, mass soliciting would be, I'm going to email my entire book of business, uh, requesting a testimonial. Um, there is some issues with uh, negative responses that might come back if you email 2000 different people on whether or not those are you know, customer complaints or things that need to be disclosed that way. Um, there's just no need to do that. You should be able to find, you know, the clients, you know, are going to get good reviews. You shouldn't need to send a mass email to a couple thousand people. Noted. <laughs> shouldn't need to. And, and, you know, 
Ryan, one thing I'm actually, it just coming to mind as you're going through these, um, is, is influencer marketing part of this or is this technically a separate kind of thing? Like if you wanted to use uh, a, a testimonial from, from someone within your client base that is particularly influential, like in your market or in your region, um, could that be part of it? Or is that is like quote unquote influencer marketing kind of a separate area? That's fine. Yeah. You, that's, that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. If you know someone that's has some recognition around there and they don't mind putting their first and last name up on the testimonials, you know, most of the time people are going to have first name, last initial or, or something like that. But if you have someone more influential that you want to use, you know, make sure I would make sure what they're, they're okay with putting first and last name up there, but. Okay. And before we move on to our next question, we did get one more. Uh, can you create a video of the client to put on your website or just text of their recommendation? Uh, you can put a video up on your website. Absolutely. Yep. Just these pre-approval and the disclosures on there, but yeah, you can certainly put a video of the client speaking with you, for instance. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, again, before we move on to the next question for anyone else, uh, in the audience, if you have questions, be sure you put those in there. Uh, but also if you are already doing something on your end, are you getting things ready? Or if you have ideas that you're, you're going to be trying at your practice, uh, please put those in there. We'd love to share that with the group. Um, and, and make sure that, that, that voice is heard there too. Um, Keith, I saw you raise your hand and put something in there. Um, yeah, it. sorry to join late. I was just going to share this, a pretty decent idea I had uh, a few years ago, a couple of old grumpy guys that quit me and I started doing this for years. So we've had client testimonials for probably the last six, seven years. We just don't use them because we couldn't obviously. Um, but every year on the anniversary appointment. After the appointment, um, I have them write a little something on a client intake form about what they like about us. Some of the stuff is incredible, like incredible. So that's just a simple idea. Instead of mass mailing, I would not mass mail everyone. That's crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just like a way for you every time you meet with them, just, hey, just a couple lines, could be nothing, be a lot, some kind of full paragraphs. You know, and I, I, I literally tell them, please do not say anything negative. This is the good stuff. Tell them who they're doing <laughs> It's a good idea, but every year we have a new, just reminds them of why they're with you. And, and Keith, did you say you do that after an engagement or you do like an end of year thing where it's, no, no, no. It's after an appointment, like after After an appointment. I don't like, I don't like the idea of sending it out. Um, it's just in person, you know, and we just, has anything changed contact information, by the way, just fill this last piece out. Let us know what you think of us. Why, why do you like it? You like us because of service, intelligence, making money whatever it is, you know? Right. And I'm sure the immediacy of that feedback helps as well too. It's not, you're not asking them several days, weeks, or even months later. Yeah. That's why I don't do it before the appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's, that's great there. Then, um, coming back to our group, Colleen, I'll start with you this time. And I want to kind of go through all, um, e each of you for this one. Given what's available and not only the, the, the different things that we can try here, but the different mediums that you can use these on. And I know you and Amanda kind of tease what we're using them for from like a quote unquote campaign standpoint. Are there any tips or recommendations that you have for the audience uh, of, of using these within your marketing and sales strategy? So just because uh, everything's opening up doesn't mean you have to, to to do everything. And are there particular lessons that you have or tips that you have that you'd share with the group? 
Um, I would say, like, um, just kind of reiterate what everybody else has said is, of course, um, don't send a mass email out and keep it to um, the clients that um, you know are happy. And um, then I would also say that um, you don't want to use it in a million different places. You want it to be strategic and you want it to be impactful. So um, you and you want the you, to use the um, testimonials that are going to help future clients connect emotionally with your with your company. So make sure that you're thoughtful about what you use and how you use it. Right. And um, that's a good point. And, and Ryan, you, you might've hinted at this earlier too, but the, the other issue with kind of the mass asking for these and collecting just dozens of these is if you don't end up using certain clients and then they see like that, that, that they were not included in that, that, that could, it wasn't good enough for you to use. You know, right. Yeah. You said, I mean, you don't want it to backfire on you. You yeah. want, you know, you want to use these to, to put these out there. And so there, there's always that consideration as well. Um, uh, Amanda, how about you? Any, any tips or recommendations to share? Yeah. So Colleen, I agree with you. It's making it impactful, making it personal. How do they connect? Um, I want, I would share that. Keep in mind what's most relevant. What stage is the leader prospect in, in converting? So where are they at in the sales process? Are they even in the sales process? So thinking about, you know, how do you use testimonial content at the lead generation stage to get them to convert to a call? You know, what type of testimonial is going to be relevant for that versus using a testimonial in a client meeting um, as a way to get them to take it to proceed with the sale. So how can you use um, different types of testimonials? Right. Now that's a great, that, that's something I had written down here. So, so I'm going to piggyback off that. I think that the, the when and where you use it, because you can also tie that back to making sure you have testimonials by service line, if you have that, or where they are in the process to make sure them. And that's how you're picking and choosing a, which of your, your three to five that you're using there. Um, that's very interesting. I'm also, I'm very curious to see how other advisors kind of outside our network are using these, um, and even, you know, interpreting the rule and uh, like we have our way, but I, I know Ryan, you're, you're probably curious to see this as well as, is what are these other groups doing and how, you know, how mass are they going to make these? Uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see how this evolves. Um, because I, I think it could happen quickly just as they kind of put the reins on some of this. Um, but Ryan, how about from your perspective, any, any tips or, or pieces of advice that you'd want to provide? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I do notice on here that there's a lot of people that aren't part of PCA, you know, some of the rules and, and things we're talking about and disclosures are PCA's disclosures, you know, so be sure to work with your own compliance. If you're not with PCA. Um, to make sure they're even allowing it. I, I know some firms um, are struggling with how to deal with the rules, so they're just not going to allow it or they're going to allow it differently. You know, so make, if you're not with PCA, just reach out to your compliance. Um, also, avoid specific recommendations. Um, it's pretty certain those aren't going to be allowed. For instance, you know, Matt Seitz told me to buy, you know, Tesla when it was at, at a all time low, you know what I mean? Those types of specific recommendations shouldn't need to go up there. It should be more general, broad and in, in nature. 
And don't listen to Matt. Is that? <laughs> don't look at the Matt Sachs. There's a few people on this call that might echo that. Now, um, uh, and you know what? There's a there's a question that comes in. It's probably a good time with that. Do you uh, do you have to use the client's full name? Um, right. No. Um, in fact, I would probably stick with first name, last initial, something like that. Um, unless as before, if you have an influencer that was okay with them posting both. Um, from a books and records standpoint, I need first and last name in case anything ever had to be verified. Um, but as far as posting it to the public, I would, you know, probably keep it to first name, last initial. Right. And, and that was actually going to be my tip is that's what we're doing at JL Smith is first name, last initial. There may be some instances where we have an anonymous, if someone asks not to share, um, but as Ryan had shared with our team, you know, e even though it is anonymous, we still have to be able to answer those, those four questions uh, that Ryan had. So we, that has to be in place, um, before we can make that possible. Um, I think there was something else with that, but yeah, oh, oh, that you hit on it, Ryan. It was the using the full name. If it's the influencer side, it's just my personal recommendation. You have to be very careful with those because then you're putting your client name out there, uh, and, and they're. You know, they can then be hunted by the competition. Not that they, they're not, but you're, you're making it even easier for them. So, um, need to be careful with that. And, uh, Ryan, the other thing I'll circle back and you mentioned, if, if the RA that you're with is not allowing this, you want to be careful. Like you're going to want to check on that before you start going down this path of finding these. Cause I know, uh, Dave Panko and I, um, and Andre Henson from our team were over at the, the Ed Slot Master Elite Conference last week. And there were a few advisors that we talked to that their group is is not, they, they don't have everything set yet. So they're not allowing it for now. So you need to make sure that you you have that. Um, Ryan, hey, Matt, can I add something real quick? Yes, of course. Yeah, I would also say just as someone that used to run a wealth management practice, and I also spent 10 years running, running toy brands as a brand manager. You know, this is one of those things that, you know, we all get really excited about a new marketing vehicle, um, but it's not a set it and forget it thing. And it's also something out there, if you remember, you know, we are the face of our practices. And so you really have to do your due diligence on the individuals that you're going to be putting out there as another face of your practice from a referral standpoint. So, um, I would say that you should definitely develop a strategy, a policy and procedure around how you add and delete or take people off from a, um, from this standpoint. Um, I know the, the initial thing is, oh man, we get to do this and we've all been wanting to do it, but we really need to think through who it is that we also want representing our firm, right? Because we are the firm. And um, so I would just challenge you to think through doesn't have to be a real intricate strategy or a policy and procedure, but just make sure you have something down so that, uh, um, so that you are checking up on these people that are, you know, representing your firm. Now, that's an excellent point, Dave, because it's, it's what we met when we mentioned earlier that this isn't just for lead generation. This is, this is branding and this is going to be such a positive for us to share our positive message. But like you said, there. If you are now putting people out there that are representing your firm and something goes wrong, um, we, we actually didn't touch on that last week as well. Uh, cause also at that, that at slot conference, uh, it was Alana Cole and her team from advisor PR. Uh, they're our PR partner here at, at C2P. Um, but I asked 
their team the same question is that do they kind of have a package that they're preparing advisors for from like a a brand management perspective and i think that that's something that they're working on that needs to be considered as part of this is like it, it this is new to all of us and it's very exciting and we're looking at the positive side of it but it's always good to have that like you know plan b of, of what the what if scenario and Amanda, your team, I'm, I'm sure your team is like, has that, especially ready, like because of sharing the, the success, the, the case studies and success stories there is that's very, very much aligned with your brand. Yes. No, we definitely take brand into consideration. It is a very important thing here for us, the Chamberlain Group. Um, and real quick, because I know we're coming up on it and her every week, the, the half hour went by very fast, but uh, Amanda and Colleen, I know you mentioned you're, you're doing video. Um, what what softwares or tools are you using for that to make this easier? Because I know there was, was some chatter in there of others wanting to do video, but do you have specific softwares or tools that you use to create those? Um, we have some great talent within our team that uh, offers their their services on occasion, but we also use Don Convet. Um, we use iPhones. We use just simple speakers that attach to our mobile devices. Um, and then the quick free tools online. There's actually a new feature I've recently found. It's called Descript. And it's a great video editor. It's really easy. Yes. I'm like, this is amazing for not having to use uh, Premiere Pro or, you know, something more complex. Right. How about you, Colleen? Um, we're along the same wavelength. We try to keep it as simple as possible, but um, I am super lucky and I do have um, a video expert in my family. So we do lean on him for his expertise once in a while as well. No, that's good to know. And I, and actually, uh, Amanda, I was glad you just mentioned the, the iPhone or using them on there. Is, so everybody knows it doesn't have to be complex. You don't have to go out and hire a studio for these. There is something to the the naturalness of just doing it on a phone, uh, especially when you're sharing a client testimonial like that. So uh, please do, don't be scared off uh, just by the aspect of video. It doesn't it does not have to be difficult. Um, and even, you know, booking a call with our team, our marketing team here at C2P to help kind of talk me through how easy that would be. So, um, but thank you again to our, our panel for being here, to Amanda, to Colleen, to Ryan. Thank you all. Uh, thanks to all of our guests for joining us today. Uh, another fun session here. Uh, and on this topic, please uh, share with us at C2P with myself and our team, any of the success stories that you find from, from using the SEC marketing rule be it the, the testimonials, the third-party rating systems, the performance reporting, whatever you're using. If you do end up with success stories from that, we'd love to hear those because we want to share those with the rest of the community. Uh, and maybe we either circle back on a topic here on a future coffee break uh, or in an MMC or something like that. So uh, please don't be shy about that. We'd love to hear all the positive news. So with that, we will see everybody next week.